Uh, Father, we are thankful for your Holy Spirit in this place. Would you increase? Would you bring up the zeal? Would you bring up all the fruits of the Spirit and make much of your name, Jesus? It's in your presence, in your power, that we've experienced new life. And we want to honor you in every way possible. Let's go. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Hey, y'all, good morning. My name is Roy, one of the pastors here. I'm going to start off with context first this morning. Then I'm going to read the passage. Then we're going to pray out, and then I'm going to go through the message. Give me a head nod if you're with me. All right, thank you, Miss Royer. I see you back there. As a church, we've been going through the book of Genesis. Last week, we saw two brothers. The younger East, uh, Jacob ends up undermining and getting the birthright of his older brother Esau. In today's text, those two are at it again. Mischief again. Jacob will also steal Esau's blessing, which I'll describe as different a little bit than the birthright. But the main historical person that I want us to focus in on today is their mother, Rebecca. Their mother, Rebecca. We will see that her control throughout this whole passage is in order for her to get her will done, her way, and to take and steal Esau's blessing, which is her oldest son, and then bring it to Jacob, the younger son. And we're gonna see all of that comes about because of her selfish motivations, her wanting her will done instead of her husband's. And I wanna make this clear before we get into the passage, because the Holy Spirit confirmed it through another person during prep, and he whispered it in my thought life. We are not picking on Rebecca. There is selfishness all throughout this situation. But what I want us to emphasize and look in on Rebecca is that she's the initiator of everything that's going on within this text. So we'll see selfishness from her sons, her husband, but we're honing in because she is the one initiating. We are not picking on Rebecca. Give me a head nod if you're with me. We're all good, we're all onboarded. Okay, let's get into the text. Genesis 27, verse one. When Isaac was old and his eyes were weak so that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now old and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so I may give you my blessing before I die. As I mentioned earlier, prior to this scene from last week's text, Esau has already sold his birthright blessing to his younger sibling, Jacob. Culturally, the birthright, just to onboard you if you weren't here last week, was given to the firstborn son. So now Jacob, the younger son, has the birthright. And the birthright was God's covenant promises to Abraham, which was their grandfather. And it was the promise that God would make them a great nation, give them land, and that the Messiah would come through their lineage. Now the blessing mentioned here is a separate thing. It's not just dedicated culturally to the firstborn boy. It's given from a father or grandfather to any of his son's daughters or granddaughters or grandsons. So with that being said, the culturally blessings were like a verbal commitment. It was the verbal version of our written wills and our written living trusts. 
blessings were highly prized because it contained prophecy, which in that time they didn't have all of the revealed word of God. So it would literally be something that you would stake your life on that would happen for your future as you would receive this prophecy, the revealing of your future through your father. So let's get back into the text now that we have an understanding of birthright versus blessing. And Rebecca is going to enter into the scene now. Verse 5. Now Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, the younger favored son, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Rebecca is undermining her husband. Continuing, actually, the manipulation theme that we've seen since the fall of man in Genesis 3. It's all throughout the book of Genesis. And it's all because Rebecca wants her will done, by golly. And she gonna get it. And she wants it more than her husband. In other words, selfishness. Self-focus. Self-absorption. And that, church, is what is going to be our message today. Holy Spirit of God, baptize me, immerse me, fill me with your gifts of understanding. Our focus is on you this morning, God, as we look vertical. Teach us, convict our hearts. It's all about you. Let us not move out of here without becoming more surrendered unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So church, like I said last week, there is nothing like living out of our blood-bought identity. Amen? So in Galatians 2, it reads, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave his life for me. We no longer live. In other words, we are dead to our self. Life is no longer about our self. It's no longer about our feelings, our reputation, our plans, or our wants. It's about his feelings, his reputation, his plans, and his wants. Amen? Amen. We are God-focused as an identity, not self-focused. We are selfless, not selfish. And it is more freeing to live that life with God's agenda than living in our own. And the thing that gets us out of living in this selfless freedom, the freedom of self, always thinking about ourselves, not just thinking much of ourselves, but constantly thinking about ourselves, what gets us out of that flow in our blood bought identity is selfishness. Selfishness. Thinking much about ourselves and thinking about ourselves too much. And that second part of the definition is what we don't always talk about. The amount of time that we consistently think about ourselves. I'm the type of guy who will not overlook a small insignificant offense. 
even though someone may have not even meant it. Why? Because I become insecure and I think too much about myself. I've also been the guy who will leave working at home knowing that I should ask my bride if she needs help with our six kids at home, but instead leaves. Why? Because I want gym time. Amen, boys? Oh, we don't got a fit group of men in here, huh? You have to start some workout fitness classes. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. I know that you're preserving your marriage. Your bride knows, though, if you've done that. So that's my sin. That's how my selfishness works out. And I suggest this, church, that selfish, selfishness is at the center of every old sin nature and at the center of every sin post-conversion. Look with me. James 3, 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition combined, this cocktail brings about disorder and every kind of evil. Where jealousy and selfishness are found, there's a variety chip bag of different types of sin. Sin manifests when we make life and decision-making about ourselves. Whoo, I'm feeling, sorry, y'all, I'm feeling his presence right now. In other words, every sin is rooted in selfishness. Thinking of ourselves too much. It is like a Russian doll. In appearance, you get into a conflict with somebody and you're constantly getting in arguments. This is your sin. But when you dig deeper and you find out that there's anger toward that person, then you dig deeper and you find out that it's because they don't appreciate you. Actually, I feel like they're disrespecting me. Then you dig deeper and you find out that you are trying to find recognition and satisfaction through people. And then underneath all of those things is self. Me. My wants. My desires. Me, me, me. And in today's text, we will see the evils, right? These varying different evils that I just pointed out in usurping power, control, and mistrust because of Rebecca's selfishness. And this matters because the result will be, as we will see, chaos and disorder. It's exactly what James had described. And that is the real result of selfishness, self-focus, and self-obsession. Could it be that the anxiety, the fear, the strongholds that we continually struggle with, even right now as we're sitting in this building, is because we think too much about ourselves. Selfishness. Exaggeration of our own importance. Seeking that our wills be done primarily instead of God and his will being done. My hope and my prayer, church, as I labored over this text, as I had our prayer team pray into this message for y'all to receive and for me to overflow as a preacher full of love, is that by the end of the message, that we would be willing to throw off our old sinful nature and decision-making and put on our robe of selflessness to be free from self 
again. So let's get into the text. We're going to follow the variety chip bag of sins that come from Rebecca's selfishness. Verse 5, blessed be the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, he said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, 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 now. And here's mama talking to her son. My son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go to the flocks and bring me two fine goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then, here's where I want us to focus on, take the food to your father so that he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Rebecca wants her will to be done at the cost of her husband's will being done. So she undermines her husband. Uh, God had given this actual authority and role culturally to the husband to give out this blessing. And he wants to give it out to his oldest son Esau. This in which Rebecca comes and undermines her husband is called usurping power. Usurp means to illegally take power away from someone. This happens wherever we go. We make unilateral decisions which we have no authority in making, not just in marriage, but even maybe in our workplace or even maybe when we're making decisions as a family to do something, someone comes along and we will be tempted to usurp power, make a unilateral decision that no one approved of. And this, my friends, is the first variety of sin that comes from Rebecca's selfishness. God is the definition of order. He's the God of order. Within him, we worship God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be his name. He's made up of three persons. And each of them have unique roles in which we are blessed by. Within a marriage, God created us with specific roles. The husband and bride should mutually submit Two, one, another. If we're talking about decision-making, this is what it should be like. We're trying to outdo one another in decision-making while being selfless, putting aside our preferences, going with what God is leading us into, mutual submission. But the husband does this uniquely by sacrificially willing the good of his bride, putting his preferences, his preferences aside for the betterment and to will the good of his bride. That's exactly how Jesus came and lived his life as a sacrifice for us. A beautiful picture. And then for brides, our role, your role, is, by, is to submit in a way that's unique other than sacrificial love like your husband. It's by submitting to your husband in everything. To get real practical, in every final decision making. It's to uniquely say, I trust you. My role is to support. My role is to be leading alongside you. And when it push comes to shove and decisions are made, you're, you, husband, are the final decision maker. Unless, nuance here, he's calling you to sin against God. Husbands and brides are like co-pilots of an aircraft. They are two pilots sitting side by side both equally competent to fly the plane. 
both equally competent, but one. One defers to the other. So the co-pilot submits to the pilot or else things will not go well. And when there is submission from the co-pilot to the pilot, then they lead alongside in their roles flying that aircraft together with passengers behind. So the one reason why this is difficult, biblically speaking, why brides, you find it difficult to submit in final decision making to your husbands is actually a result, a specific consequence of the fall. Look with me, Genesis 3. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve disobeyed God and then God says this specifically to the woman. This is after the curse that he gives to the man and he says this, and you, woman, will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Brides, when you desire to control your husband, to go against him, it is a result of the fall. And it goes against God's beautiful created order. The order that brings peace, the order that brings security, the order that brings freedom. And when, we, when you brides do that, it usurps, takes power away from your husband's role. It takes power from your husband's role to make final decisions. And that's exactly what's happening here within her marriage with Rebecca and Isaac. And underneath it all, church, it is me, me, me from Rebecca. Selfishness. Wanting her will to be done over her husband's God-given role. And you know what the sad thing in it all is that the result of this whole situation is that there's gonna be a breakup in the family. There's gonna be chaos and there's gonna be disorder. But that's exactly what the enemy does when we fall into temptation of usurping. So we'll see this the rest of the text. Let's read on to see the next variety of sin from Rebecca's selfishness. Verse 11, but look, Jacob replied to Rebecca, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. Verse 13, but his mother replied, and here's what I want us to focus on, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get them goats for me. Me, me, me. Rebecca wants her will done so badly that she is willing to take on consequences that her son would incur. And just from a human standpoint, I just want to take a side note and step away from the message. This is a sad scene. A son is being told by his mother to lie to his father. And I know that if you're biblically informed at all or been in the church that Jacob is a deceiver. He's going to deceive after this. He's going to deceive before this. He did deceive before this. But I wonder, where did he get that from? Where was that modeled in Jacob's life? Apples, in other words, do not fall far from the trees. Parents, our kids are always watching us, whether they're in the house or they've graduated and they are out of the house. Whatever faults or successes that we operate in 
and function in on the daily will literally become normal to our children. And I'll tell you, I, don't, I, I mean, I can testify to how broken our household looked like growing up, and I didn't even know any better. And the first time that I had an argument with my bride, I literally wanted to do exactly what I had saw done, which is grab a TV and throw it into a wall. Funny now, not funny then. Whatever we will value within our household parents, whatever we will, however we will treat our spouses, will give our children the best opportunity to model after. My challenge to us always, parents and grandparents, is to be the type of person that your children and grandchildren aspire to be. Blessed be the Lord. That's discipleship. And that was all, by the way, free information. Let's get back into the message. So as we're getting back into the text, the reason Rebecca is so demanding of Jacob fulfilling her plan is because she is trying to get control of the situation. We'll see this more as we jump back into the text. So jump back into me 14, with me into 14. So Jacob, continuing, went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebecca took action them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger sister Jacob. She then covered the goats. She gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. She's doing everything for Jacob. She's doing everything to control the situation. Why and how? By controlling people. She's doing everything that she can to hold on to her desired outcome. So we're going to take a moment, we're going to zoom back, we're going to get some context in order to see the last variety of sin. It'll actually speak into a little bit of the control situation. So two chapters earlier, Rebecca knew something that others may have not known, and that's including her husband. And it was that God planned that Esau, the older brother, would serve the younger brother, Jacob. So here's what happened. Uh, Rebecca, two chapters ago, approximately 40 years ago, from this moment we're talking about, she was feeling them babies wrestle. She said, Yahweh, Lord, my God, what's happening in there? And then Yahweh says this, Genesis 25, blessed be the Lord. The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And here it is. And your older son, Esau, will serve your younger son. In the rest of the chapter, there is no reference to Rebecca disclosing this information to her husband. So fast forward to today's text, again, 40 years later, she's hearing that her husband is now talking about prophesying over the older boy Esau. He is about to say the blessing over the oldest boy. And Rebecca probably knew it was going to be a favorable blessing because of cultural standards. So she presumes that in the blessing, Isaac will say that Jacob would serve Esau, which is not what she heard 40 years ago. 
And instead of trusting that God will work it all out, she doesn't need to put her hand fully in this situation. Instead of approaching her husband and saying, Isaac, God gave me a revelation, a prophetic word 40 years ago. So I want this to inform, listen, I trust you. This is what God's called you to do. But I want this to inform what you are about to say. And then tell him that the inverted blessing was what God had revealed to her. Instead of doing all that, she puts her hand in the cookie jar trying to control. Why? Because of a lack of trust in God. She wanted God's will done and check it out. That's good, but she wanted it her way. Church, God will accomplish his plans in ways that we may never understand, that don't currently make sense to us. Don't compromise our integrity in order to accomplish God's will. So we're moving to Westview, right, in a couple weeks. Blessed be the Lord. We're, we're going to end up having cushions, and uh, it'll be that much more fun with a little bit better acoustics. And so we were tempted, just to take you behind the story of what had happened actually back even December moving up to this point, we were tempted to talk to Westview directly. So we, we, we were about to, we found out that another church had actually talked to them and that they had called Dibs to be there. And so as we heard this, we had a decision to make. So the Holy Spirit put it on our hearts. Listen, you need to talk to the other church so as to honor them and communicate. So we talk, we feel like, okay, we can actually, after the conversation, we can actually move on going directly to the gatekeepers, the principals, the, the vice principals at Westview, and we can move the ball forward with them discerning us being there, not the other church. We felt like it was God's plan, in other words. But we didn't have peace. <laughs> And if there's one thing that we know as a staff is that we will be very, very, very timid to move forward with something when we don't have God's peace. It's a way that he directs us. So we, we said, you know what? This is God's way of saying, let go of the matter. So he told us to not talk directly with Westview about being there. And so to honor God's other church in our area. And so we called, and it was a difficult call. It was very much like God saying, just let go. Just, just let go. We did. We blessed the other church saying, we are going to stay out of your way. We never talked to them about this. No big deal. Go and be blessed. We obeyed and let the other church move ahead so as to be clean in the sight of the Lord. We then called them, and after uh, we heard after months of just letting it lie that things had then changed. As you know, we're going to be there in a couple weeks on the 25th. The other church had discerned that it wasn't God's leading for them to be there. And so, voila, here we go. Here's the lesson that I want us to learn from that. Westview was God's plan all along. It was his best but it came to us by means that we did not expect. And we believe that God did that because we simply obeyed him. We let go and we allowed him to work out in his way 
what he wanted done. Church, God will honor you as you get out of his way. God will honor you as you desire and move to honor him. The Holy Spirit will reveal plans to you, but he wants you to stay clean and actually getting there. He wants to test our character. He wants to see if the destination has become more important to us than the process. He wants to see if the blessing has become more important to us than the one from heaven who gives blessings. So at this point, at this point, I'm going to move us forward. I'm going to move us forward. We're going to jump about 11 different verses, and we're going to get to the end of this passage to see the one last thing. So Jacob successfully is going to deceive. He's going to put on everything that his mother told him. He's going to move forward, and he successfully deceives his father Isaac. These are the exact words that Isaac blesses him with in verse 28. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May the nations serve you and people bow to you. Be Lord over your brothers. This is being spoken from Isaac unknowing, unknowingly to his younger son, Jacob. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and may those who bless you be blessed. Rebecca's plan is successful. She gets her will her way. But after that, the aftermath is pretty sad stuff. Esau comes back to feed his father Isaac, and he realizes he was duped by Jacob. So we'll jump back into the text to finish for this moment and see when Isaac realizes he's been duped. Verse 36, Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild gain? I have already eaten and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a bid. Uh, this is going to get loud in here. A loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. Isaac said to Esau, I've made Jacob your master and you have declared that, I have declared that all brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give to you, my oldest son? Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. What a sad scene. A broken family. Esau weeping, bitterly weeping in regret, being deceived, looking back at his birthright years ago, probably thinking, what did I do? Jacob deceived, and Jacob continuing to deceive and be more reinforced in his deceptive character from his mother in this situation. Isaac betrayed by his bride, primarily because Rebecca's selfishness. Her desire to have her will done her way. Church, our selfishness will shatter our families at worst and will hinder our families at best. Both terrible things to experience. Couples, even within this church, have divorced primarily because of selfishness. 
I would know because I've done some of their marriages. I would know because I also experience selfishness that I have to kill every day within my life. I know because I've been a part of the phone calls and a part of the sit-downs with those couples where everything came down to each person getting their way. It was like two ticks on a dog sucking blood out of each other. Sucking blood out of a dog. Each of them wanting their way. And at best, and here's best case situation, which is a terrible situation nonetheless to live in as a normal operative thing within your family. It's that your families are hindered by your selfishness. When one of our family members makes selfish decisions, it affects everyone. So what hope is there for our selfish troubles? What hope is there? What is the cure? What is the remedy? Self forgetfulness. Self forgetfulness. Self forgetfulness. It's a part of our blood bought identity. Colossians 3 says this. For you, born-again saint, who has already surrendered your will to God. Remember this, saint. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. We no longer live. Does this sound familiar? We are dead to our self. We no longer have lives that are centered around our self. It's no longer about our feelings. Does this sound familiar? It's no longer about our reputation. It's no longer about our plans or our wants. When we hide, that's the, that's the terminology used here. When we hide in Christ, when we seek his face in the secret place, we become forgetful of ourselves, And we truly can step into what the psalmist writes in Psalm 23, the Lord is your shepherd, Roy, CLB. You have everything that you need. We won't need again. We will experience the saturation and pleasure of union with Christ. We will be so caught up being hidden in Christ as our blood-bought identity that we won't be distracted and we will have our eyes fixed on heavenly things above It's no longer about us. And that is a good definition. Selfishness, thinking less about ourself. Thinking less about ourself. Jesus, our Savior, the anointed Messiah, was the most self-forgetful person that ever lived. He wanted his will done. I'm sorry. He wanted the Father's will done more than he wanted his will done. Multiple times in the Gospels, people come up to him and say, please, come to our city. Please, come and exercise these demons. Please, come and do this, and please, come and do that. And they were all good things. And when he responded no, he responded no by saying this, it is not my time. The Father's timing will come about. And not only that, as I shared last week, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and in agony as he saw his oncoming crucifixion. And he had a choice to make. It was either to go with the Father's will or his will. And in agony and in the time he needed God the most, he surrendered his will saying, not my will be done, but may your will be done. Blessed 
self-forgetfulness. Our blood-bought promise available to us by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. As we exit worship today, as we enter into interactions, as we move forward with the rest of the beginning of this week, may we, church, evaluate if we are operating in selfishness, thinking too much about ourselves. It may be the reason why there's conflict within our hearts and within our households. And may the Holy Spirit empower you to press in to his word, press in to his presence, and not make this the main diet of Christian living. May we be known by God as an intimate of his, reminding ourselves of our blood-bought identity in which Christ our Savior purchased on the Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. Jesus, I thank you for your church. Get your glory. Do your thing. Bring about a zeal and a passion among your people. Would you, as you see these tables filled with idols, knock them down so that freedom would come. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom, authority all given from on high that you would empower your saints to desire to live a life worthy of being called into heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.